Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Podcast. This is Tobias and it is the sun is shining outside. It's beautiful where I am. It's a Friday. I am absolutely excited. I'm also excited about today's guest, Lindsay Peterson. Before we get into it, I want to uh, just announce that I'm opening the brand workshop again. So on the, on the 16th of March, if you want to work on your brand together with me and other people in a group online, uh, go to thefutureacademy.com forward slash the brand workshop and check that out. So five different themes, five angles, you're going to attack your brand and your business from five different angles uh, through these five modules. It's going to be great. It's a great experience. I can promise you that. And there's a great, great money back guarantee. In fact, it's more than a money back guarantee. You get on the course. If you don't like it, you're actually going to get more than your money back. You're going to get a free course. If you don't like it, that's how confident I am in this material. Anyway, on to today's uh, interview with Lindsay Peterson. I really enjoy this. I hope you're going to like it. And again, like, share, interact with us. You know, Check out thefutureacademy.com. I'm really here to help people like you, ambitious people, take your game to the next level. Uh, to do that through online courses, through training, through free content in every possible way. I want to push you forward to do something that you didn't think was possible for you. I'm going to support you in all possible ways I can. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in. And here is the interview with Lindsay Peterson. Uh, welcome, Lindsay Peterson. Thank you so much for joining. I'm looking forward to this. You are another brand strategist just like me, so I'm looking forward to this conversation. We're going to talk about brand. We're going to talk about your agency. We're going to talk about your book, your methodology. I'm really looking forward. Thank you so much for joining, Lindsay. Thanks so much for having me. What a lovely introduction. It's really good to be with you, too. Thank you so much. Great to have you. And so... Um, I want to start by asking you uh, about your book, because I, I know we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, our different perspectives and views on brand. So you have a book out called uh, Forging an Iron Clan Brand. Uh, so and that's also the name of your your business, your agency. Please talk to us about, you know, what does it mean and where did that all start? Yes. Um, the idea of a brand that is ironclad is one that actually came to me from a client. So I had been developing a CEO who was working with me. I was working with him, I should say, on the brand strategy for his business. And at the end of it, he looked at me with surprise and said, um, this is ironclad. Oh. Like, like, like this, like almost with almost bewildered that a brand could be so non-fuzzy. Yeah, um, yeah. And it just resonated with me. That's what in my, in my, in my belly, I thought that is, that's what I want it to feel like for my clients, that this is something that will shape and be a, a beacon for, you know, decades, maybe yeah. certainly years. And so that's how I, that's how I, became, I, I, I developed the ironclad method, which is my process and called my business iron, the iron or ironclad brand strategy. And so then when I went to write a book, I wanted to, uh, describe and unveil the ironclad method. So naturally I wanted the, the book also to invite people to this new way of looking 
or unusual way of looking at brand, at least amongst my market of CEOs, at least in, in, in the United States and in Seattle in particular, which is a tech town, brand is not usually thought of as something that could be methodical. And yeah. so that felt really right to me. Yeah. So you wanted to ironclad it. I wanted to ironclad the, the if you haven't I heard love it, it. It's a word. I'm appropriating <laughs> your verb. That's yeah. wonderful. So, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I love the word, by the way. I think it's, uh, I think it's really, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. And I saw in some of your posts you talk about on your website as well, you talk about like the North Star. So is that, you know, talk about, you know, how you see that in relation to the North Star. And why is it so important? The North Star idea? Yeah, and the ironclad. I mean, uh, how are they related and how are they both that's a that's a cool question. So um, the thing that I was that, that I continue to confront in my market, the people that are buying my service or, or who are considering doing something like this, is that they believe that brand is smaller than it is. Mm -hmm. They believe that brand is either a logo or a TV commercial, or the name of their business, or the personality of their business, or one of the many manifestations of brand, but they weren't thinking of it as this total organizing principle for yeah. how to run their business. And yet they badly wanted an organizing principle for how to run their business. It's hard to be a CEO. Yeah, um, It's really, really difficult to be navigating what a CEO is navigating. So they wanted it, and yet they were uh, overlooking something that was really obvious to me as just an essential leadership tool. And so the idea of the North Star is to kind of take, take people up to, this isn't, this isn't a necessarily, uh, merely a specific embodiment of brand uh, of, of your business like a like a logo it's it's a a filter through which you run your business and yeah. it's a it's a guiding light for not just for you as the leader but for all of the people who work for the company uh to use this as a way to bring to life what your company offers so that was a little bit a way to be contrarian no brand's not a logo brand is your north star yeah, or it yeah. can be if you want it to be yeah. um if you don't want to use that tool you don't have to use that tool but that tool is available to you and ironclad um i suppose is also contrarian because my ceo clients tend to be really left-brained and yeah. t tend to want something like they really dislike things that are nebulous. Yeah. I am that way too. So it resonates for me to want something that feels um, like you can hang your hat on it. So in some ways, the idea of ironclad and North star are kind of, are, are sort of polar opposites, but I'm trying to get people to think about brand in such a different way that yeah. I'm being provocative. I think it's really about that. Yeah. I also like from the perspective that, you know, 
so many companies, they just keep doing brand strategy over and over. And I guess that's good for brand strategists like us, you know, but, but it's also, it could be really frustrating because they don't really use that uh, you know, in the in the you know, as the ironclad you know uh, idea would would suggest, or a north star, they just kind of, in my experience, they turn it into to a communication strategy, and then they wonder why it doesn't work, and so the next guy or gal comes in, and then they just change it up again. You know, I think I like this idea that it's like solid, and you know, you just need to keep re-expressing it and keeping it fresh and being creative with it. But that's, I don't know, what's your experience? Is that the same or? Yeah, it's interesting. I, what you just said is so, um, it, it's a, such a common thing that I hear that isn't brand, you know, do, can we refresh our, do, should we refresh our brand? Should we, um, do we need to, go back and, and create something new because this one isn't working anymore. And what that makes me think is, I'm not sure you had a brand strategy to begin with. Yeah. I think what you had was a marketing communications slogan or uh, a neat copy idea, a, a neat campaign. Yeah. But if it's something that you outgrow in a couple years, mm. it wasn't, it was not a brand strategy. It was yeah. a marketing campaign. And yeah which is fine and not just fine that that's great, but let's call it what it is. Um, the other thing is that, um, you know, it like it classically in, in business, we think of positioning as the four P's product, price, place, and promotion. Mm -hmm. And promotion is so easy to see. It's concrete. You can see a slogan, you can see a TV ad, you can see a name, you can see a tagline. Um, promotion is really important, but the customer doesn't only experience your promotion. The customer experiences everything about your product, the pricing, the way that they purchased it, the place, and the promotion. So you are sort of only operating on one dimension if you're yeah. thinking of it as communication, but your pricing is in conflict with your communication or your product isn't working in concert with the, your communication. It just isn't believable or powerful yeah. to the customer, and it won't um, it won't create gravity over a long period of time. Um, so, and by the way, in the meantime, every time you change your brand, you're losing trust with your audience because they're yeah. like, so they can't make up their mind. What is? It's just like with a person in a person to person relationship. If they're always changing, if they're always like you know, their personality is different. They're trying on new personalities or their, you know, flavor of the year. Yeah. You, yeah. you kind of like, you kind of think they're flaky or you don't trust they, this lack of steadfastness uh, makes you not sure how much you can trust them. It's the yeah. same thing with any human, whether it's a human to business relationship or a human to human relationship that there's credibility and trust when you can consistently um, have one stake in the ground rather than switching all the time. Right. Yeah. And so how does the process work? How does the methodology work? I'm super keen on that. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. how, how do you bring in a client? What happens and what's the what's what, what are the cornerstones of the methodology, the ironclad method? Yeah. So the I love this topic because even even when I say that there's a method for building a brand, I've already kind of made people think, really? Because I thought brand was a, 
you know, you wait for the muse to visit you and you have a creative revelation and which is wonderful when that happens. But to, if you're not a creative type, so again, if you're my CEO who is running a PL and is managing supply chains and has lots of people and payroll to manage, yeah. um, that idea of creativity can f- be off-putting. And knowing that there's a structure or a step-by-step method, that alone can disarm someone and make them feel oh, I can do that too. That isn't only for creative types. Um, uh, So part of my uh, being provocative here is, yes, there's a method. There are probably multiple methods. I like my method, but use a method. If you, you know, don't let the, um, if, if, if you don't feel the creative idea descend on you, you can use a method to, to get there. Um, so so that's the first thing that I see relief among my clients when they hear that we're going to do this in a step-by-step way. Um, so to get to your question, the, the route that I take, I, I think of it as a, a series of steps beginning with, um, or I call it the orient step. So who are you serving and what is the space that you're serving? What is, who is your target customer? And what is your true competitive set with that target customer? Not just who are your direct competitors, but what what behaviors do you compete with? What substitutes do you compete with? Um, From the customer's point of view, what do you compete with in their mind? So that's the first step is orient. And then the next step is listen, talk to them hear from them, whether, you know, literally and figuratively listen to them. What is their unmet need? What's it like to have the problem that they have? Um, How do they view this problem? How involved are they? What emotions arise when they're in the midst of trying to solve this problem? And what emotions arise when they do solve the problem? And what, what emotions do they um, feel when interacting with your offering and with competitors offerings. So orient to what your market is and who you're serving and then listen to them. And then that's the kind of foundational piece. Then it gets into a little bit more of a, an MBA, uh, analysis. So, um, identifying the, I call it the uncommon denominator. So mm-hmm. identify the things that really matter to your customers, the things that you're really good at solving and the things that your competitors are also really good at solving, that the intersection of those three things is your common denominator. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's the Venn diagram That's, I'm seeing here. Exactly. It's the Venn diagram of your customer needs, your competitor strengths and your strengths. And the middle of that Venn diagram um, is the category benefit. So it's great that you solve this problem, but your competitor solves it too. So, um, to assign that as that's a table stakes thing. Now we're going to go to the thing that your customers want that you're good at delivering and that your competitor is not good at delivering. That's your uncommon denominator. So the, the, the relevant differentiation that you bring, what the unique reward that you bring to your customer. 
that that step that I just described is probably the biggest difference that, that my clients tell me about. They hadn't really gone to what's the uncommon denominator. They had stopped at, oh, we're really good at this and our customer really wants this. Um, and we're really proud of themselves because they were solving this problem when their competitor solved it exactly the same way or with exactly the same angle or with exactly the same personality. So, um, so that's the next thing. And then, and I, th I think, you know, if, if for my clients who do those three things, it's all right. You've already kind of gone to like next level. Yeah. Um, I do have their steps after that to get more granular, but that's the, um, the most hardworking of yeah. the steps. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I, and I love the way that you start with, uh, with the customer and what the customer wants and needs and the context. And I think, you know, I, I also do that. And I think in my experience, again, I mean, that's where you catch most of the, the the lack and the need already there you could just stop there and say okay we shouldn't really do anything before you can tell me like who are you going to focus on and you know who are these people and what do you know about them and what do they want and how do they want it and so forth and uh i don't know it seems like globally this is the same people are struggling with the same thing i sometimes wonder where all this is coming from is it just because of this very strong you know fmcg brand management uh, juggernaut, whatever, you know, the advertising agency industry or who taught all these people to think of brand in such a similar flawed way. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? I think you're right. I think, I mean, one of the, the reasons I wrote my book is because I found such profound uh, lack of consensus as to what a brand even was. Yeah. And um, that it's hard to it's hard to talk about the value of brand when the person who your your conversation partner is thinking of something super different. If yeah. they're you know if you think you're talking about the North Star, but they think you're talking about logo, you're gonna have a really confusing conversation, and there's you really don't have a lot of hope of aligning on what's the value of this thing. So yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a vocabulary problem that yeah. I think uh, contributes to what you're just describing because it is such a big, it's such a big topic, brand, and all of the aspects of it are important. It's just that they are just that, they are aspects of it. They are not yeah. the whole thing, they are an angle on that thing. Yeah, it's true, yeah. and I. I realized that uh, I was doing, I mentioned earlier that I did my, my uh, first like signature online course and it took me like eight or to 10 months. And uh, one of the things I discovered as I tried to extract all my best knowledge, you know, over the years, and I, I did all the steps and then I realized, wait a minute, like before actually the thing that typically ruins or makes the project or the, the whole strategy, I should say, is really whether people adopt this common mindset and the foundational knowledge, the, the principles before we even start touching anything and, and going into sort of the, the, the mechanics of things. Like so often I found myself like you would meet with the CEO or maybe the marketing people or maybe even product development and people, you know, HR. And at some point deep into the conversation or the, the project, the CEO or someone will say, let's show them our brand or something like that, which for me means, oh, wait a minute, I, I must have missed a few steps. Like I didn't, 
I didn't go through this basic foundational training or conversation to say, no, you can't show a brand. Like if you, if you say those words, it means that we are on a different page and there's going to be a lot of problems down the road as we don't, we're not using the same language even or the same meanings. I don't know if you encounter the same thing, but then you realize like, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> yes, it's right. Like, so the, if one, if, if the, um, if one of the carriers of the torch, so that, you know, if it's the CEO is thinking brand is visual identity, brand is something that we show and yeah. message, um, then when you're talking to the product people, um, they're thinking, oh, but if, if they're looking to their CEO for guidance, they're thinking, oh, the, the brand people will figure out the message. We'll figure out the product. Yeah, yeah. And to me, the whole point is that it's one song sheet. You're not yeah. operating from multiple song sheets. And mm. right, if there's a misunderstanding at such a fundamental level, um, it won't change the game for the company. It because there will be an orchestra working off of multiple song sheets and um, that education is so fundamental. And yet it's a, because people already have such preconceived notions of what a brand is, it's difficult. It's, yeah. I, I totally relate to what you're describing. Yeah. So how would you advise like companies, whether they're, well, I don't know if it's different to you or not, but small or large, like, uh, when they when they really get started from scratch, is it the same formula, the same method? You start with the customer and things. Is there... It's the same method and it's the same sequence. The difference is depth of analysis. Yeah, so yeah. you know, with a, a an itty bitty business or a startup business, um, the listen step is probably t you know a phone call with a handful of whom you consider to be your bullseye target customer. Yeah. Um, with, you know, Starbucks, which is one of my clients, we do a multi-market international set of focus groups in ethnography. So the, the level of um, insights gathering is higher. And then also, um, and I think of this as commensurate with marketing spend. If you're going to spend $10 million against a brand idea, you're going to do more research to ensure as a risk management tool, yeah. you're, you're going to get to a higher level of fidelity. Whereas, you know, if it's a mom and pop coffee shop, you don't need to do expensive market research. You just do it and you see how the market responds. Yeah. But nobody should skip the step of identifying who they're serving. Yeah. Um, it's just the level of granularity and the level of precision that's going to vary according to what's at stake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so if you could, uh, if you could, uh, I'm just trying to make up this question as I go along here. So if you could get three messages, let's say, no, let's say one mm. message across to a CEO, like, uh, you know, globally, uh, which thing would you tell them, you know, if they could really, you had a magic wand and you could say, this will happen at every company and you'd be happy. What yes. would happen? What's the advice? So there is a quote from uh, Mark Benioff, who's the co-CEO of Salesforce.com and the founder of Salesforce. Um, he said better than I ever could say, he said, brand is not your logo. 
brand is your most valuable asset period. Yeah. And when, so first of all, he is a wildly successful leader, right? 185 billion in market cap, I believe for Salesforce. Uh, and he's, he's a tech lead. This is a software company. So it's, it's disarming to hear from the CEO of a software company that brand is your most valuable asset. Yeah. So a lot of times when my, my audience hears that it's like, Oh wow, he, he's successful and he's using brand as a North star. Um, so that that's probably if I have, you know, the fewest number of words allowed, that's what I would say. Um, because once, once a, uh, CEO or leader or founder understands the bigness of brand and the, um, wildly value creating, uh, element of brand, they don't have to be convinced that it's useful to do. Um, it's only if they're misunderstanding it as something smaller that they think of it as a nice to have, but nobody would say it's nice to have a business strategy. Like, of course you have to have a strategy. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of how I approach it, but I'm curious about you. How do you, what's your, uh, wedge for something like this? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. I first of all, I it's weird because I I didn't read uh, that quote, but I've been going around saying that uh, clearly with much less impact than Mark. But I've been saying uh, this this exact same thing that your brand is your most important business asset, and and it's the most valuable one. And then people go like, so that's a kind of a provocation. Uh, but if I have people who who doubt uh, what I do or CEOs or leadership, like I'll I'll actually take them on a small journey where I, I I want them to nod along or question what I say, and I typically go something like, you know, do you agree that you know a brand is this, you know, and then I'll go like, yeah, and then I I'll say like uh, something like, yeah, it's it's you know I I think it's your most important business asset. Why? Because you know. Customer choice, you have to agree, and I, I mean, most people would agree that customer choice is the most important thing in business in a way because either they will choose you or they won't. Now, and, uh, you know, so there are only three ways you can create revenue. You know, more people choose you, they choose you more often at higher prices, basically. And so, like, yeah, 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 good, good. That's more kind of the sales perspective. But then I'm like, yeah, so what affects customer choice then? Well, I would say it's how people, you know, just spontaneously, you know, how they think about you. And there's a word for that, and that's brand. And then they're like, yeah, yeah. And that's where you know, a crucial conversation happens, where I'm like, because you can either agree with that or not. Or you can say, no, it's the product. Or, uh, you know, so I think for me, my experience is typically there is the camp of people who think that brand is kind of an added value or hot air that you, you, you know, spray or sprinkle on top of something, a product. For me, it's a binary question. Like either I will uh, like a Volvo car or I won't. Yeah, I will either buy one or I won't. And the same with everything we choose, especially, you know, and of course the importance of brand for me, it kind of is a little bit different depending on what category we're talking about, what industry, like if it's lifestyle, it's like more like identity and self-expression and belonging and kind of intangible values, or sometimes it's very utility-based. But in I haven't come across, a, you know, a single category yet where that how you think of it, that it wouldn't impact your decision actually to a much larger degree, degree than people think. And I, I've done a lot of research myself. You, you talk about being kind of science driven. I, I'm the same way. Like I, 
I do a lot of uh, qualitative research, not so much quantitative, but qualitative. And these things always, even if one time I was consulting like this uh, oil uh, company, you know, you think like, surely there's like deliver oil to like, you know, this <laughs> companies around the world. There's only a few customers and like how on earth I'm going to help them differentiate. And it comes down to things like trust and do I know that my delivery is okay? It doesn't really, no one mentions the oil, the product. You know, it always comes down to, so I know it was kind of a long uh, answer. I but. love that. I, and I love this, this underlying principle of your customer has choice. Yeah. That's the, the, the crux of commerce itself. Forget even yes. about brand. The crux of commerce is that there is a value exchange between your business and a human being. Yes. That human being can elect whether or not to engage in that exchange. And what are the things that are going to increase the likelihood of them engaging in that exchange? Bring yeah. them, uh, what are those things? We haven't even mentioned brand. We certainly haven't mentioned logo. Yeah. Um, it's why sh what's in it for them yeah the very basis of your value proposition uh ultimately will be your brand whether you're consciously or passively creating that um your brand is what's in it for your customer yeah. and if you don't define that yourself like if you if you think that it's a nice to have to define what's your value proposition you're you're simply going to leave uh, that competitive advantage on the table for competitors to use because if you find it hard to do yeah. that heavy lifting, to dis distill it to a single thing, then how can you expect your customers to do that heavy lifting for you? Exactly. Um, it's exactly. just in your best interest. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and still one thing that came to mind is I also sometimes talk about this fact that you know, your product is not your offering, your service is not your offering, your brand is your offering. So you can't, like, whether you believe that or, or, or not, it's just, well, to me at least, it's truth. I mean, like, they will choose you or not choose you depending on how, what you stand for in their minds. And, you know, you know, which things matter, you know, when it comes to that? Well, everything does, you know, more or less everything. And I know I've been doing some spying on you, and I know that's the center of your thinking as well, right? Like, brand is more than marketing. It's because everything counts. Everything affects the choice, so... It, it, it's kind of the, um, it's like you said about the, the principle of choice, the principle of you're working with a human being. And as human beings, we have scarce time, we have scarce cognitive resources. And so, oh, and we're a human being that has a, a highly emotional nature. We make decisions very emotionally, although we like to think that we're making them with our prefrontal cortex. Yeah. We, tend, we tend to make them emotionally and then justify them with our prefrontal cortex. We have a very complicated human being in front of us. When, for the businesses who see that whole human being and see that it's not just about the product, yes. it's about the way that that human being experiences everything about your business, including yeah. the product experience, including the messaging, I suppose, including the pricing, that sum total, that's how a human being perceives it, uh, a promise, yeah. not, uh, not the other way around. They're looking at it from their standpoint, not from your standpoint. And simply making that shift in perspective alone will put you head and shoulders above most yes. uh, competitors. I love that. 
we seem to think so much alike. I don't think we could argue on, on this topic, <laughs> even if we tried. I know, what a pleasure. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I know that you have to finish in a few minutes, so, and we'll, we'll have to pick this up later. But before I ask my last question, I, I want to know, like, if people want to, you know, uh, work with you, if they want to just follow you, get in contact with you, obviously order the book, uh, duh. duh. <laughs> How should they get in contact with you? Yes. Thank you, Tobias. So the if listeners are interested, my book is Forging an Ironclad Brand and it's available on Amazon and all those all those uh, book sites that you can find online. Um, I also have a website, ironcladbrandstrategy.com, and there is a, a free giveaway that's a supplement to the book. It's a workbook to use alongside Forging an Ironclad Brand, and that's available on my book on my on my website under book. Um, and you can also, if if all, any of this stuff is interesting to you, um, I write a monthly newsletter over email that you can subscribe to or find me on LinkedIn. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, the final question um, I want to ask you, just kind of personal, maybe it relates to work, whatever. Like, what is the difference that that you want to make in this world? Oh, one, that huh? is a that is a question. I know it's morning in Seattle, but <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's early here. It's evening in Helsinki, so it's the difference I want to make. Just considering everything you do, I mean, you know, what's yeah. the bigger purpose for you? I think if I can t try to put it into a single word or two, it's um, when you have clarity you have more meaning and energy, you have more fuel for your life. And so I want to bring that clarity to people. Um, because I think it unlocks so much. And, um, and it's something that I've always been fascinated by is just the 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 element of stripping out the unnecessary, like what's it that what's the the, the thing that really matters to you as a person or a business or an organization or a team, um, what's the crystal clear, the really, really uh, simplified version of everything. Yeah. And when you have that, it feels it's such a relief and it's so energizing. And it's such a rush to me personally when I can be part of that process. Fantastic. I love that. Hey, thank you so much, Lindsay. Thanks for being on the show and good luck with everything. I love everything you do, everything you put out there. Uh, and I really hope that uh, people go and look up Lindsay Peterson and uh, connect with her. She has a great story and a lot of things to teach all of us. So thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you, Tobias. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks.